Good morning. Today is Wednesday, September 9th, 2020. Our Parsha, this week is the double portion, Nitzavim Vayelech, is Moshe's speech to the Jewish people at the end of 40 years in the desert. And the speech is a reflection on the era that has passed in preparation for the new era that is about to begin entering the land of Israel, which will be a completely different kind of life with completely different challenges. And so Moshe is preparing the Jewish people for this next era in Jewish history. Every year, we read this parsha on the last Shabbos of the year, the last Shabbos before Rosh Hashanah. And therefore, for us too, the parsha acts as a reflection on our past year, looking forward to our next era, the new year. And there's an incredible medrash that is based on a curious feature of the text way back in the beginning of the Torah that is very relevant to our Parsha. Rabbi Sachs makes this connection, and I'd like to share it with you this morning very briefly. At the beginning of the Torah, Bereshish Barolakim, God created. There is a style, a formula of those verses of creation. And the style goes like this. Vayomer alakim yihi or. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. Vayomer alakim. And God said, yikavu amayim. Let the waters gather together. And the waters gather together. God said, let there be planets in the sky. And there were planets in the sky. God said, let there be animals and, uh, and grass and plants and trees and God said, and it happened. That's the formula that repeats itself for the six days of create for the six days of creation until there is one exception, and of course, it is the last iteration of this formula, where God says at the end of the sixth day of creation, Vayomer Alakim, God said, Naase Adam. Let us make man. Hold on a minute. Uh, who is God talking to? In all of the other acts of creation, God acted <clears throat> on his own, which makes sense because there doesn't seem to be anyone else there. God said there should be light, there was light. God said there should be animals, there was animals. All of a sudden, God said, let us make man. Who is the us and why is God consulting with others. So there's a passage in the Talmud that records what purports to be a conversation between God and the angels. The Malachim, there were already angels. And there was a conversation. And the conversation goes like this, according to the Talmud. When God was about to create man, 
he first created a group of angels and he asked them, do you agree with me that I should create man? I mean, that in itself has so many questions and difficulties, but let's leave that just to the side for a moment because it gets much more um, um, mysterious after that. So the angels say, well, uh, master of the universe, what kind of a being is this human being to be? I mean, before we tell you yes or no, what are we talking about? So God showed the angels the history of mankind, the actions, the errors, the behaviors of mankind. So the angels said, uh, why would you want to create human beings like that? They kill people, they murder people, they do terrible things. God destroyed that group of angels. God created a second group of angels. And he asked them the same question. Do you think that I should create man? And they asked the same question. Well, what kind of being is this to be? And God showed them man's actions. And they saw how horrible and terrible man could be. And they said, no, for, for sure not. You should not do that. Doesn't make any sense for a perfect being to create beings that will create, that will do evil and, and cause harm. And God destroyed the third group of angels. He created a third group of angels. He asked them the same question. And they said, hold on a second. We learned something from what happened before. You created a group of angels. You asked them the question. They gave you your answer. You didn't like the answer. You destroyed them. You created a second group of angels. You asked them the same question. They gave you an answer. You didn't like the answer. You destroyed them. So we, we've learned, okay, so we're not going to give you the answer that, that we know is going to get us destroyed. You know, it's your world. Do with it what you want. Do as you wish. And God created man. And then, a few centuries later, came the generation of the flood, where all of mankind had sinned, except for Noah. And then the generation, a few centuries later, of those who built Migdal Bavel, the Tower of Babel, and all of the people were sinning against God. And the angels said to God, but doesn't this show that the first angels were right? I mean, you asked the first angels and you asked the second angels and they told you that this was going to happen because you showed them that this was going to happen. Weren't they right to have told you not to create man? And God answered, quoting out of historical context, of course, quoting a verse from the prophet Yeshayahu. Even to old age, I will not change. And even to gray hair, I will still be patient. A remarkable conversation. <clears throat> What's going on here? Rabbi Sachs suggests that when God creates man, 
in his image, it means that God gives human beings the freedom to choose good or evil. And that means God is creating a being that he, God, can never fully predict what humans will do. They, we human beings, will choose what to be, how to act. And that means necessarily that when God gives man the freedom to choose good, by definition, God also gives man the freedom to choose evil, to act badly. Because there's no way to avoid that dilemma even for God himself. Because if God were to somehow prevent human beings from acting badly, that would simply mean that the choice of acting goodly was not a choice. And that is what happened. God created Adam and Eve and they sinned. The first human born child, Cain, murdered his brother, Hevel. And within a short amount of time, the world was filled with violence. So, the question of the angels seems to make a lot of sense. Why did God, knowing the risks, knowing the dangers, why did God make a species of human beings that could and did rebel against him? That could and did harm the natural environment that God created, hunt species to extinction, and oppress and kill his and her fellow men and women. The question of the angels is very strong. The answer that God gives to the angels is extraordinary. Even to old age I will not change. Even to gray hair I will still be patient. In other words, God says, I'm patient. I'm prepared to wait. If it takes 10 generations for a man as righteous as Noah to arise, that's okay. I can put up with 10 generations of evil knowing that at the end of that, there'll be one person, Noah, who makes it all worthwhile. And then if it takes another 10 generations for someone like Avraham to be born, that's okay. I'll be patient. However much evil there is in the world, I will not despair. I will give a second chance. I will give a third chance. I will give a hundred chances. I will be patient waiting for righteousness to arise. In other words, God created humanity because God has faith in humanity. And even though we will often, unfortunately, disappoint God as we disappoint ourselves and others, but there are times that we do not. We may fail many times, but each time we fail, God says, 
Even to old age, I will not change. Even to gray hair, I will still be patient. I will never give up on humanity. I will never lose faith that ultimately a righteous person will emerge. And it's worth it for that. What the Talmud is saying is that that is the only possible explanation of how a good, perfect, all-knowing God could create such a fallible, destructive creature as human beings. Because God has patience. God has forgiveness. God has compassion. God has love. God has an unending supply of second chances. And you know, it's fascinating. For centuries, theologians and philosophers have been looking at religion upside down. And we continue to do the same thing. We think about how can man have faith in God? But we got it backwards. The real phenomenon at the heart of Judaism, the mystery and the miracle of religion is not our faith in God. It is God's faith in us. Atem nitzavim hayom kulchem. Moshe says to the Jewish people, at the end of 40 years in the desert, reflecting back on the era of the past, looking forward to the era of going into Israel, the new era. We stand at the end of an era of this past year, and we stand on the precipice of a new era, a new year. And Moshe says to the Jewish people, Atem nitzavim hayom kilchem, you are all standing here today, says Rashi. And I mentioned this Rashi before in a different context, but listen to it in this context. Says Rashi, Atem nitzavim, you're standing here today. There were many, many times when you upset God over the last 40 years. Don't take for granted that you are standing here, that you have survived these 40 years, that the Jewish people still exist at the end of the 40 years. You remember the spies when God wanted to wipe out the entire people? You remember the golden calf when God wanted to wipe out the entire Jewish people? You remember the, uh, the, the time you complained about this and that and that? It is not at all certain when we started out that we would survive to the end of the 40 years. And yet, we are all standing here today. Many, many times you cause God to think about destroying you completely. But God did not do it. Here you are. How is it possible? Because God gave you a second chance. And God gave you a third chance, and a fourth chance, and a hundredth chance. Because that's the lesson. The lesson is that God is patient. The lesson is that God is willing to give us another chance. No matter what we've done, there's another chance, and another chance. 
And that is a message for every single one of us as we approach Rosh Hashanah. No matter what we have done, no matter where we are, God has patience. God has compassion. God wants us close. God has faith in us that we can do better next year. God probably has more faith in us that we can do better next year than we have in ourselves. We need to borrow some of God's faith. The fact that we are here, just as the fact that the Jewish people were able to stand on the banks of the Jordan, ready to go in, is proof positive of that lesson from the very beginning of Bereshit. God says, I have faith. I have patience. I'm going to give you another chance. Just try harder this time. Eventually, you will get it right. Maybe not this year. Maybe not this generation. But you will eventually get it right. And it will be worth it for that. That's the lesson that our Parsha reminds us about the scope of Jewish history and within our individual lives about the era that is ending and coming. Let's try this year not to let God down. Let's try this year to recognize and take advantage of God's faith in us. Because His faith in us means we can do it better. Friends, I wish you a great day and I look forward to seeing all of you soon in person.